It's good to see you guys today. I hope you're doing well. We are in the last week of our series, and it is called Great Job. Y'all sing it. What is love? We've been talking about uh, what love looks like. It's been a series on love, relationships, uh, dating in general. But the last week and this week is about so much more than just dating relationship. Be honest. Show of hands. Who's over talking about dating? Me too, a little bit. The rest of y'all, I'm glad you're not. But uh, the good news is that this message and last message is about just loving everyone. So it can be, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, but it can also be friends. It can also be enemies. Yeah, because we're supposed to love our enemies. So you're supposed to love even her. Okay. Who'd you think of? Whoever you thought of? You need to pray for them. So um, we've been going over a to become list. Everybody say to become. Do better. Everybody say to become. So it's like a to-do list, but instead of telling you what to do, it tells you who to exactly who to become. We started the first half last Wednesday. We're finishing it today, finishing the whole series today. We're starting a new one soon. Um, I said it last week, man. I wish there was something in the Bible that just told us exactly what love is. Like I said, like love is this. Love is not this. Love does not do this. Love does do this. But oh, there is. <laughs> Close. All right, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is where we're getting our list from. You got the underlined part. I need everybody doing the underlined part. Everyone doing the underlined part, especially you. All right. Love is. Love is. Love is. Not. Jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not self-seeking. That's what we covered last week. Raise your hand. Who was here last week when we covered the first half of that? Okay. Okay. Uh, here's the second half. It is not. Is it up there? I. It is not. Easily angered. I don't know if it's up there, but it says, verse 6, love does not delight in, but rejoices with the, what is going on? Everybody clap for the media people. Who's running media? Everybody say, Sammy, 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 he's our guy. If he can't do it, Greg's going to try. Okay. I meant that. Do you have the scripture? I don't want to continue without the word of God. The word of God is the most important part of what I'm going to say. Hey, there it is. Okay. You ready? We're starting it. It is not easily angered. We good, Greg? It is not angered. It keeps no record of Love does not delight in, but rejoices with the, verse 7, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. All right, let's continue the list, starting with love is not easily angered. Everybody say not easily angered. You ever meet people? They're just way too easy to make mad. You ever meet those people? Like, you'd be like, hey, man, 
what's up? And you like tap them on the shoulder, like, get off me. You're like, dear God, do you ever meet people like that? I can be, I can, okay, that's good. I can, raise your hand if you are that person. Okay, I can be that person if I, if I don't, you know, um, eat enough or sleep enough. But here's the thing. When Paul says, everybody say when Paul says, writing it back. When Paul says you shouldn't be easily angered, he actually uses this word. He uses this word that literally in the original language means you can't be so easily stirred up. Everybody say stirred up. Now, they use it like in cooking like we would today, but it's kind of cool because we also use that word when we talk about getting stirred up too. We'll be like, oh, man, that got me stirred up. I just wanted to punch him. Or, oh, that got me so stirred up. I got so mad, right? And here's the thing. When we start talking about that stuff, we typically blame other people. Right? So, like, oh, he makes me so mad. Oh, she makes me so mad. Oh, my mom makes me so mad. Who do all that, who do, what do all those sentences have in common? You makes you mad. They make you mad. Your mom makes you mad. They all have you in common. Here's the thing. Paul would tell us it's better not to automatically just start blaming people when you get all stirred up. Because, listen. You can go around, but if you get mad when everybody stirs you up, you will live your whole life giving whoever has a stir stick power over you. He says instead of working on, you know, trying to make them not stir you up, why don't you get rid of the thing in you that's so easy to stir up? Because you can go around trying to eliminate everybody's spoon. Like you got a spoon, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. But if you have nothing in you that people can stir up, it doesn't matter if they have a spoon. Does that make sense? So he's saying if you want to get good at loving people, stop trying to get rid of all the spoons around and start working on you so that you're not so easy to make mad. My brother's one of those people. This is, he's hard to make mad. And I would try to make him mad when I was little, and it just wouldn't work. Be like, you're ugly. He'd be like, okay. <laughs> Stupid. Terrible basketball game today. He's like, well, I could still beat you. I'm like, what the heck, man? You gotta, you gotta work on what's in you. To not get stirred up. So let me, let me, how do we do that? If you're going to work on not being easily stirred up, you first got to own it. Everybody say own it. To work on it, you got to own it. You can't work on what you don't own. If you don't believe me, go try to work on your neighbor's fence. It's not going to work. You don't own it, you don't work on it. So if you want to own it, you got to answer the question, why? Everybody say, why? why? Let me give you an example. So you say, oh, that got me stirred up. Why? Now you got to answer it. Sometimes it requires you getting in your feels. So why did it get you stirred up? Maybe it made you feel rejected. You say, because it made me feel rejected. Or maybe you say, ooh, that got me stirred up. Why? Mm, because when they did that, something in me felt unimportant. See, a lot of times, like, ooh, that made me so mad. Why? I don't know. Yeah, you do. Own it. Because until you own it, you're never going to be able to work on it. So listen, let's, let's work it out. Let's say you're at school. Somebody calls you a loser. You're at school. Maybe you get broken up with. I don't know, you have a job one day, you get fired, and it stirs something in you up. You're like, ooh, that makes me mad. Why? Own it. Because something in me now feels, let's say, not good enough. Okay, well, now that you've owned that you feel not good enough, you could work on it. Say, own it. Own it. Work on it. So now that you've owned, okay, I don't feel good enough now, you got to work backwards and say, okay, but God's word says I'm made in the image of God. God's word says I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. God says that I am completely enough. So even if they don't see that about me, 
then I'm going to just hang out with people that do. But the truth is, I'm not going to live my life at the expense of anybody with a stir stick. That is a truly miserable way to live. So I'm going to work on me so that when they come around trying to stir me up, there's nothing to stir anymore. People like that are people who are actually really good at love. So you ready? Let's continue our list to become number four. We are to become not easily angered. And you got to ask, am I owning and working on what stirs me up? Say owning, working, what stirs me up. All right, let's continue our list. 1 Corinthians 13, 5b through 6, it continues to say, Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in, but rejoices with the. Okay, I put these two together because uh, you could preach them separately, but I think Paul's kind of trying to say one thing. On one hand, Paul's saying, love doesn't keep record of wrongs. You know those people? They just go around, and anytime they like you do something wrong, they're like, boom, gotcha, right? He says it doesn't do that. And then on the other hand, he says it doesn't rejoice in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Now, when he says truth, he don't mean just like facts, like this is true. When he says truth, that word literally means like righteousness, uprightness. And in other words, love rejoices when it sees something that's just right. Like you did the right thing. That's amazing. So hear me out. Paul paints two pictures of two people, and you got to figure out which one you are. There's person A who's just always looking for someone to do the wrong thing. Nobody likes those people. Don't be those people. The second you do that, hmm, you did that again, huh? He says there's those people. Or there's people that genuinely are looking for you to do the right thing. They're looking to celebrate you. They're looking to compliment you. And he says people with really good relationships are the people who are way better at celebrating the good, not criticizing the bad. Celebrating the good, not criticizing the bad. So which one are you? I'm not going to lie to you. I can kind of be the first one. Anybody in here, you're just kind of critical by nature? Show of hands. Oh, y'all are all just so good. Who in here, you, you are good at complimenting people? Oh, y'all make me sick. I'm just kidding. Okay, here's the good news. We can learn. Everybody say, I can learn. Say it again. I can learn. I can learn to be somebody who celebrates the good. You just got to remind yourself what you're looking for. Listen, you constantly see what it is you're looking for. So, like, are you always looking for the bad in people or are you always looking for the good in people? Because once you make up your mind of what you're looking for, that's normally what you're going to find. I'll prove it to you. Y'all remember those games? They were like find the hidden object games, and you saw a picture, and then there were things hidden in there, like you could see like a rhinoceros or whatever. So I brought one of those, okay? You're going to see three things, okay? Don't put it up yet. Don't put it up yet. Three things. A rhino, a flashlight, and a chair. Rhino, flashlight, chair. All right, put the picture up. Uh, Whenever you find it, let me know. The rhino's easy. Who's found all three? Y'all lies. Where's the rhino? All right, where's the flashlight? And the rhino. Where's the chair? Okay, y'all actually found it. Okay, one more. Now, find the grenade. Who found it? Put your hand down. There's no grenade, liar. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Now, you can take it off. You can take it off. Here's my point. You see what you're looking for. And Paul comes on the scene. He says, listen, 
We need to be people who are looking to celebrate the good in people, not just criticize what's wrong with everybody. The world has enough people that are sitting there criticizing what's wrong with everybody. Christians could be different because Christians are people who know how to celebrate the good in other people. Now, Paul's not saying don't ever point out a wrong. No, we know that the Bible says that real friends do that too. But as a rule of thumb, you should be so much better at celebrating than criticizing. You know, I got this little dog. I talk about my dog all the time. Who knows my dog's name? Winnie. Winnie. I, I actually brought a picture. Will you show Winnie? That's my dog. I love her. She's the best. Okay, listen to this story, all right? I'm a, I'm a little bit embarrassed by this. But um, Winnie is awesome. But Winnie is also awful. She barks constantly. If she wants to be up, then we're just awake. She's like, and she'll literally like jump on the bed and just lick me until we're up. And so I never thought I'd do this, but I took my dog to PetSmart and I entered a class with her and we had her trained by a trainer. So we would go to school together. Big, you ready for school? When you like, and so we went to school, right? And I was like, this is so dumb. I'm embarrassed to be seen in public with my, with my dog in, in class. And I'm like a parent, like, well, did you get your registration? Did you get your tetanus shot? You know what I mean? Like all this stupid stuff. And now like her little graduation thing hangs on my fridge and we have like a graduation hat for her. It's too much. But when I was there, this is what the pet smart trainer told me. She said, listen, if you want your doggy to grow into a good little doggy that loves you and is a good dog, then you have to celebrate her way more than you criticize her. Everybody says celebrate? celebrate. More than you criticize. So when Winnie poops inside, okay, I can be like, Winnie, no, stop, bad, right? But it's over. She said, okay, you can do that when Winnie poops outside. But, I mean, when she poops inside. But if Winnie poops outside, she's like, you better throw a party. Like, you have to just celebrate the heck out of the fact that she laid a turd in the grass. And so literally, like, Winnie would go, we'd be like, go outside, Winnie, she'd be like, you know what I mean? And poop. And literally be like, yes! Winnie! You're amazing! I love you! You're the best! Go spend the night at your friend's house. Here's a hundred, like, you just make stuff up. Take the car for a spin, you darn little dog. I'm proud of you. And she's just like, yeah. <laughs> and what's crazy, I'm serious. What's crazy is that she is so good at pooping. I'm the last one who's pooped in the house where I'm not supposed to, not Winnie. It's funny. That's weird. I was making sure y'all were awake. Listen, listen. For real, not only does she poop in the right place, now she could play dead, she could sit, she could stay, and she's not perfect. But the pet smart lady said, if you want her to actually grow into a good dog who loves you and grows into all of the multi-poo that she can be, you have got to celebrate more than criticize. Everybody say celebrate, celebrate. more than criticize. And what's crazy is Paul kind of says the same thing. He says, listen, if you want to be a good friend, if you want to be a good boyfriend, girlfriend, one day a good spouse, you better get good. People who are good at love are good at knowing how to not keep record of wrongs and just who's doing something wrong. They're good at knowing how to celebrate people when they do the right thing. So our to become list, to become a celebrator of good 
more than a critic of bad. And you got to ask yourself, what am I looking for? Everybody say, what am I looking for? And finally, let's finish our list and finish our series. 2 Corinthians 13, 7 says, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's pretty hard, man. Always? Like that's always? Now, I'm going to be quick with this last one, okay? Because truthfully, when Paul is saying this last little line, he's kind of summarizing everything that he said up to this point. And if you just summarize it in a quick little cool little way to rhyme, it'd be like something like this. Love sees the best, believes the best, and knows when to overlook the rest. Love see, yeah, if you say it right, it kind of rhymes. So your turn. Love sees the best, believes the best, and knows when to overlook the rest. I think that's pretty good. You know that saying, love is blind? That's the saying, love is blind. Paul would say kind of love chooses to be blind. Listen, the truth is people are imperfect. Anybody you're friends with, anybody you date one day, they're just not perfect people. You're not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect person. So if you look around just waiting to find flaws, you'll find them. But Paul says instead of trying to change what we see, you have to choose how you see. Not change what you see, but choose how you see. I'm going to give you two examples, and then we're going to be done. My mom was so good at this, okay? My mom knew how to get me in trouble but see the best in me and believe the best in me. I'll give you an example. When I was little, I was pretty much the same as I am now. I was a stubborn kid. And I just, I would have a vision for how I wanted my day to go. And it would go that way or I'd get in trouble. So sometimes, like, my dad's kind of like me. And so we had butt heads on some stuff. And I'd be like, no, dad, I want to do it this way. It'd be better to do it this way. He'd be like, you're not going to do it this way. Shut up, sit down. Pop, pop. And like, ah. And so basically, I remember many times my mom sitting me down. And she'd be like, listen, G, you have got to respect your dad. You can't talk to him like that. But she would also see the best and believe the best. And she would say, but there's something in you that has a lot of vision. You know how you want things, and you'll work really hard to make it like that. And she'd be like, there's a leader in you. God's going to use that one day. What is she doing? She's not trying to change what she sees. She's changing how she sees. Another thing, my, my progress report always came back. Some of y'all are going to be like, me too. It always came back, and it said, Jeffrey is a great student. However... Yeah, that's, the, that's where it gets you. You just erase that part. It said, however, <laughs> he's constantly a distraction and talks too much in class. Anybody else get that? You're a constant distraction and you talk too much? Okay. Shocker. So, so listen, 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 listen. My mom would sit me down from first to 12th grade when my progress report would come back. And she'd say, listen, G, like, the test is not the time to pull out your jokes, okay? Stop making jokes during the test. But she would tell me. She would say, but the truth is, there's something in you that's good at making people feel comfortable. There's something in you that likes to talk and loves people, and God's going to use that one day. What was she doing? She was choosing to see the best, believe the best, and know how to overlook the rest. The people that have changed me the most are the people that have loved me the best. And that's exactly what my mom was doing. She was saying, look, I know that you've got your flaws, but I'm going to tell you, yes, you got to stop talking in class and stuff, 
But I'm going to tell you that there's something good in you. I'm looking not for the wrongs, but I'm looking for the rights. I'm looking not to just criticize the bad. I'm looking to celebrate the good. And ultimately, that is what love does. Now, I want to say this really quick, okay? Little disclaimer. Everybody say disclaimer. I know this series is about love and dating and all that. So I don't want you to hear that scripture about love seeing the best, believing the best, and overlooking the rest, and being like, I cannot break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I have to just see the best. No, listen. That's not what it means. Um, this scripture is about love in general. It's not about just dating. Paul wouldn't have known what dating was, okay? There were no dating apps. There was no prom. There was no friend zone. There was nothing like that. Paul's talking about love in general. So this love, just hear me out real quick because I don't want you to just leave here. This love is expressed differently in different seasons of your life. If you're married, then always seeing the best, believing the best, and overlooking the rest probably looks like clinging onto your marriage for dear life. But if you're dating somebody, okay, and maybe you don't feel like it's right, the people closest to you don't feel like it's right, then maybe in that context, seeing the best, believing the best, and overlooking the rest means really believing the best future for your ex, even if it's not with you. Maybe it means, you know, choosing to overlook the rest and not gossip about them if you break up, even though you could throw shade for things that they've done wrong. So I don't want you to hear that. That's my quick disclaimer. You've got to learn to see the best, believe the best, overlook the rest. But it always looks different. And regardless, uh, we are called to love. So at the end of the day, I hope you really take to heart this to become list. We're going to go over it one more time from last week and this week. Here's what we got to become. I think there's, boom, to become, you say the first word, patient. And you ask, am I giving grace or demanding my pace? To become, am I taking advantage of people's weakness or helping with it? To become, fair enough. Am I being insecure? You just got the first word. To become, not easily angered. Am I owning and working on what stirs me up? And number five, to become a celebrator of good more than a critic of bad. What am I looking for? Lastly, protective, trusting, hopeful. I should have thought through this more. And you ask, do I see the best, believe the best, and know when to overlook the rest? The truth is, listen, loving people this way is hard. It's not easy at all. It's not how you feel like doing, but Great relationships aren't built just on strong emotions. They're built on good decisions. And these are, this is the kind of person that we are called to become. You want to be successful in your relationships. Become somebody like that. You're asking, what is love? That is what love is. So one more time to end. What is love? Boom. Good. Bow your head. Let me pray for you. Don't hurt me. There you go. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for everybody here today. Lord, as we're trying to learn what love is, God, I just ask that you help us become patient, kind, not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude, not easily angered. God, somebody who celebrates good more than just critiques all the bad, and God, somebody who protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. God, help us look different at school. Look different in our relationships because we know what biblical love really is. Hey, I got two questions to ask you before we leave today. Here's the first one. If you're in here and you're like, Pastor G, the truth is, I don't even know if Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Honestly, I come to church, but today 
I kind of feel something in my heart stirring. And I know that, that I need to follow Jesus with my whole heart. If I died today, I don't even know where I'd spend eternity, where I'd spend forever. But you're in here and you're like, today, Pastor G, I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, then all I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to count to three. I just want you to lift your hand right where you're at. I'm going to pray for you right where I'm at. But if that's you and you say, yeah, that's me, uh, I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. Listen, the Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he died for your sins, and you believe that he is Lord, and you commit your life to him, and you confess that with your mouth, that you're going to be saved. So if you're in here like, that's me, I need to do that. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand and you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. One, two, three. Anybody like that? Awesome. See your hand. See that hand. Cool. Let me ask you another question. If you're in here and you're like, Pastor G, the truth is, at one point I was following God, but I have not been following him like I should. And I need to rededicate my life. If that's you, you say, yeah, I need to rededicate my life and really make God a priority. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Awesome. Cool. Let's do this. Put your hand on your heart. And everybody repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Thank you for loving me when I didn't care about you. Thank you for running me down when I was running away. Make me new. And if I fall, give me the grace to get back up. Put people in my path who will lead me to you. I believe that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.